Well, welcome to Charisma Connection. This is Steve Green, and in the studio with us now is Michael Koulianos, and I'm so excited to have you here with us. I've been following your ministry for a lot of years. I've known some of your relatives from ORU and some of your other famous relatives, but I'm even more blessed now to have you with us in the studio to talk about some of the things going on in your life. So welcome, and God bless you. Thanks, Dr. Green, for having me. It's a privilege to be here. No, sir, it's our privilege. So I want to talk to you about Jesus' image and some of the things you have going on, and I think the best person to talk about it is you. It's your heart. It's your design. I know that you're an evangelist. Tell us, uh, maybe let's start at the very beginning of how this part of your ministry was launched. Yeah, well, I grew up in a a Greek Orthodox home in Tarpon Springs, Florida, just a few hours from where we're recording right now, and and my family was uh, clergy. I had archbishops in the family and priests. I grew up in the altar. You didn't have a chance. No, I, I, I didn't. And um, we grew up with uh, an understanding somewhat of the Lord and, and a reverence of the Lord. And in 1984, my dad uh, acquired a, a, a bone disease called Microbacterium marinum. He, he got that because he was in the sponge business. If you've ever been to Tarpon Springs or that area, you know that the, the sponge and shell and coral business is really a huge piece of the economy there and, and really how a lot of the Greek immigrants came and, and made a livelihood. So my dad, through somehow through the sponges and the coral, this bacteria got into his bloodstream. And for years as a boy, I just remember him being in a wheelchair or on crutches, you know, he was a military man. He was an old-school Greek guy. And to see my dad weakened by disease and sickness, it threw me for a loop as a young boy. I remember feeling like that's just not my dad. You know, I don't know my dad this way. And so one night um, at a memorial service of all things, my uncle had passed away because of cancer. This Greek priest walked in to uh, comfort the family. And uh, I remember when he walked in, he was not like any other priest that I had ever run into. Now, you have to understand, I mean, I was with clergy, like, nonstop. Yes. But this guy was different. It was like Jesus walked in with him into the room, and the entire room changed when he walked in. And what I didn't know, and I didn't have the terminology for it, but he had been filled with the Holy Spirit in the 70s, through the charismatic out- renewal and the outpouring there in the Northeast, and he was filled with the Spirit there in, in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Now, he carried something so holy that it forever impacted me. His face was soft, his eyes were gentle, but the boldness of Jesus was all over him. He was anointed, but you knew he was humble enough to wash feet if he had to. And now looking back, he was just like Jesus. Wow! And so he sat down on that chair... And what he didn't know is that my dad had crutches behind the couch because we were all seated. It was a packed home. And the Greek culture, you do a memorial service at a church, and then you do one at a few different homes. You eat. You know, Greeks will do anything to eat, even if, I mean, celebrating somebody's <laughs> passing. But, but uh, my dad's uh, crutches were behind the couch, and this priest sat down, and he looked at my dad, and he asked him a question that framed my life. He said, have you ever seen Jesus? He asked your dad this question. This is my dad. Now, first of all, nobody talked to my dad like that. You know, he was from Gary, Indiana, drove around with a forty-five caliber on the dashboard, officer training school there in the military. He's a tough guy. Tough guy. You know, I think he lost like one wrestling match in his wrestling career. So anyways, 
he asked my dad that question. And I was sitting on the floor. Were you ducking at that moment? Yeah, I was thinking, oh, gosh, Father, you should not be talking <laughs> to my dad like this. So he asked my dad, uh, have you ever seen Jesus? And my dad said, no, I've never seen Jesus. He said, why not? My dad said, I don't know. He said, do you want to? And I thought, oh, wow. I thought Jesus was going to, I'm dating myself now, I thought it was going to do the Star Trek teleport. You're gonna I get thought, wow, down. this is going to be an amazing night. And it was, but in a different way. And so he walked up to my dad, not knowing my dad's situation. My dad had just come out of surgery. He had staples in his knee and pants on to hide the incision. And he walked straight to the leg that had just had surgery. And he had no way of No knowing. clue. And he grabbed the incision with staples in it and squeezed it and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed and walk. And when he grabbed my dad's knee, my dad winced with pain. But then my dad said fire went through him, through his body, and he, my dad s- started weeping. And the priest said, walk in Jesus' name. My goodness. And my dad started to walk. And that was my first encounter with the tangible glory of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, but also it was my first experience in meeting a human being who had mingled Mm. with the character of the Holy Spirit to the degree that his face began to carry the face, the expression of Jesus, and it changed my life forever. Tell me about your dad. What happened at the moment... Yeah. After he was walking, how did he respond to what happened? He started weeping. Uh, I can think of my dad weeping two times as a, as a young boy. Now he weeps all the time, but we can talk about that in a little while. I mean, he, w- he wept at his mother's casket, and he wept that night, mm. started walking. Well, either the next day or two days later, he went to the orthopedic who, who operated on the knee. And my dad leg-pressed more with the knee that had just been operated on, that had been basically immobilized because the atrophy was so bad after five years. He leg-pressed more with that leg than the good leg. All the muscle came back in a day or two, and his leg was the same size as the other and solid as a rock. And even the doctor said, this is amazing. So my dad amazingly did not get saved. But five years later, he heard the gospel, actually through a a meeting that my father-in-law, Pastor Benny, was preaching here at OCC in 89, and my dad got born again. And now he's a pastor and a missionary and travels with us all over the world. And he believes in healing, I would, I would he guess. He prays for the sick everywhere he goes. Yes. How's that affected your ministry? Oh, man. Uh, well, between that miracle and really growing up here at Orlando Christian Center, I mean, I grew up in the glory of God, and I saw sickness destroyed on a weekly basis. To me, Dr. Green, I, I always say this, It's wonderful to pray for the sick because the sick are suffering. That is a wonderful, high apex of Christian intent. However, we don't pray for the sick ultimately for the sick. We pray for the sick so that the stripes of Jesus, so that his time at the whipping post would not be in vain. Yes. Because the Scripture says, in all you do, do it unto the Lord. So my perspective is, is I'm praying for the sick to, number one, enforce what Jesus has paid for through the coming of his kingdom, but also to give Jesus what he gave his back for, which is tending to his heart. And so those years um, molded me. So I've never heard anyone say what he gave his back for. You know, the the traditional pastor line is he gave his life that we might be healed. He gave his life that that we could be saved. Mm -hmm. But by his stripes we're healed. That's right. And that's... 
So tell me the transition. I'm, we're going to speed you up just so that we could talk about what you came to talk about. Sure. I, I want to hear about your decision to stop pastoring in L.A. and to move into evangelism. There had to be a transition in your heart as God led you into that. It's much more difficult. Sure. People aren't lining up wanting evangelists in their church today. It's true. Pastors have to pay their own bills. That's true. How were you led to do that, Michael? Well, I was, uh, after Jessica and I got married, uh, I had been uh, my father-in-law's assistant for years, his personal assistant. So, Oh, you PA'd for? Oh, yeah, I PA'd for Pastor Benny for, for years, which basically meant you did a whole lot. You did everything. <laughs> you didn't sleep much, and you worked your tail off, but I learned so much, and you know, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, he never taught me how to pray for the sick. He taught me how to spend time with the Holy Spirit. And uh, good word. praying for the sick was never a job for me. It was really part of our ministry. We just felt like if we worshiped Jesus, he'd walk in the room and do what we could never do. And So I, I, I was in Dallas uh, working there at the headquarters, and he called me one morning at 6 in the morning. And he said, Mikey, I feel like you should come out here. And he calls me Mikey. He said, can you come move back to California? And I loved Dallas. It was so much cheaper than California. And Lots. It was, a, it was just a great place to start Same off. Same amount of traffic. Yeah, and a great place to start off as a couple. Sure. And Jessica and I were there just having a great time, and we felt like God had called us to do this, to pastor. And so we went, and pastoring, pastoring uh, uh, caused me to, uh, it caused me to experience a few things. One, my inadequacy. Uh, to the suffering of people on a daily basis and to have compassion on those people. But I learned something, that my connections in ministry, and I've had the privilege to sit with some of the greats of our generation and generations prior, including Dr. Roberts, but I learned that my connections with people, whether in my family or out, really did nothing as it pertained to seeing the sick healed, as it pertained to leading the masses to Jesus. I needed my own encounter I needed the same kind of encounter that I experienced in 89 here in Orlando. And so pastoring was a wonderful experience, but it, it highlighted the fact that I needed a burning bush experience. And so I began to cancel our planning meetings on Saturdays. I started locking away to pray and prayer and fasting. I wanted God to come, and I, I didn't want to just be a great speaker. I wanted God to walk into our church I wanted my life fingerprinted by the hand of God, and so I went after him. I mean, like crazy. What a lesson for all of us. Yeah, and then, so after going after him, I had a divine encounter with the Lord in 2007, October 23rd, um, just me and the Lord, and he called me uh, into full-time evangelism. And after an experience with the Lord, when you begin to speak about him, he responds. He sits on your words. The sick were healed effortlessly, and, and since then we've seen multiplied thousands coming to the Lord. So that was really the birthing of Jesus' image. Talk to us about Jesus' image and where you're headed with your conference, and lay that up for us and tell us about it. Yeah, I feel in my heart that America is primed for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot going on in culture that is uh, obviously anti-God. It's anti-Christ. But I think if you look at history and just the nature of God, that God always raises up a standard. If you look at the charismatic renewal, uh, people were saying it's free love, everything's free, there's a, a revolution in America. What was God's response? An outpouring of the Spirit. We see that early on after the speakeasy movement and in, the, in America, you see this the, the, the voice of healing release, latter rain. God is not done with America. Now, the world system, the, the spirit of the age will bow its knee to King Jesus. 
absolutely, God's judgment will touch and he will implement his judgment on an antichrist spirit and method. However, the church, I believe with all my heart, is about to see a revival of fidelity unto Jesus, this bridal first love burning for him and wanting him. And so Jesus' conference was really birthed as a desire to highlight Jesus above a man, above a woman, so that multi-generations would come together, like Reinhard Bonnke will be there, Pastor Benny will be there this year, Heidi Baker will be there, Daniel Kalenda, myself, Todd White, some of the greats, Eric Gilmore, Dave Papavisi, Brian Guerin, my brother, my dad, Paul Teske, who is a Lutheran charismatic that sees as many miracles as anyone I've ever been around. I wanted to bring fathers and mothers, generals and sons together to glorify Jesus and to see a wake of uh, a move of the Holy Spirit blaze through America again, and I feel like we're stronger together. And so we stepped out by faith last year. We, people ask me, what was your budget? What is your budget? I said, faith is my budget. I haven't even gotten that far. We just know what God said. And we see these moving from city to city. I actually had a dream two weeks ago of whirlwinds over major cities of America, spinning silver whirlwinds, which uh, symbolizes uh, the redemption of God. Well, one specifically over the center of our country. And so we feel primed that, that what God's birthed here in Orlando will burn through America, all to glorify Jesus. I think if you look at the lineup of people in the conference, whether it's Heidi who carries first love for Jesus like few people, whether it's Pastor Bonke who, who, who breathes the gospel and the fire of the Spirit like nobody alive, whether it's Pastor Benny who knows the person of the Spirit and the, the release of his power like nobody I've met, I think... When you take the attention away from a person, you begin to see the attributes of Jesus in these specific ministries, and when you bring them together, it's combustible. And that's uh, so that's our heart. So tell me in the Orlando conference, when is it? Where is it? Tell us a little bit about it. Right. Okay. Well, it is December 10 through 12, and uh, that's a Thursday night, Friday all day, Saturday all day. We've outgrown the venue that we originally booked. So we're actually uh, back in negotiations. Emory Center. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, as of two days ago, we're back in the market for, for a new venue here. How many people are you trying to see? What size of venue? Well, I think a few thousand, maybe, be, you know, 2,000 to 2,500 would be fine. If, it, if we see a, um, an increase in registration, then we're willing to step out in faith and, and do what we need to do. Uh, but, but I think what's really cool about the conference is that... Um, there comes a moment like that did last year, and you, you can see it on our, on our channel, YouTube channel, Jesus Image TV. What we do is we, we want the people to come to a place of hunger, and this year we're cutting the speakers loose into the crowd uh, like holy, wild, uh, fire evangelists so that the people can uh, receive an impartation. So this year will be a real year of impartation. You mentioned Jesus Image TV. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah. Well, we feel like media is a major, major means of reaching this culture and this generation. So our studios are right here in Lake Mary, Florida. Uh, we, we produce some very anointed media. We have an incredible team of people who understand how to communicate the power of the Holy Spirit through media. So we're based here. We have a YouTube channel. We're on television in different parts of the world. But also, something we wanted to do, Dr. Green, was to, in the beginning of the ministry, in our media ministry, I should say, we wanted to begin by honoring those who paved the way for us. 
So we did a Fathers and Mothers series uh, with Jesus Image TV. We did shows with uh, my father-in-law, Reinhard, uh, Joy Dawson, um, Bill Johnson, Heidi, John Bevere. We really reached out to those who've gone before us. We wanted to start in honor and thank them for, for putting the move of the Spirit on their shoulders and walking faithfully before us. So their content is amazing. I have Ralph Wilkerson live from his home speaking about how he raised seven dead people. Tell everyone how to find you. I know it's on YouTube. Is it just simply that many of our listeners may not know YouTube or mm-hmm. be that sophisticated? Sure. Tell them how to go find you. Yeah, if you go to youtube.com forward slash Jesus Image TV to find our YouTube they can channel. probably Google. They can Google Michael Koulianos or Jesus Image. I'm on Twitter at M. Koulianos, K-O-U-L-I-A-N-O-S. We're on Facebook at Jesus Image. Mm-hmm. And we are periscoping yeah. this interview. Hey. And do you periscope much? Uh, I have, I'm on periscope, but I have not been uh, very good about jumping on. It may be the next YouTube. Who knows? I think you're right. It depends on how people use it. Yeah. It's owned by Twitter. I guess you knew that. That's true. Good. Tell us anything else about how people can connect with you and your ministry. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're all over the country ministering. I think if you need a touch from God, we'd love for you to come to the meetings. Uh, Beyond Jesus Conference, we're in uh, the Midwest here in September for three nights at Victory Christian Center. It seats about 3,500 people. Which Victory? What state? Uh, it's, oh, sorry. It's in Youngstown, Ohio okay. with Pastor David Thomas. And um, it's an awesome, awesome church. We saw a real sovereign outpouring of the Spirit. I'm in the Northeast in the fall. We're everywhere. So you can go to our events page at jesusimage.tv. Let's say that again for everyone. Sure. Go to our events page at jesusimage.tv, and uh, it will keep you posted, and you can, you can jump on board. So they could find you virtually any weekend somewhere. They can. Good. They can. And our, and our, our, um, our studio here, we also pray for the sick there. Mm-hmm. And um, we have actually had a doctor send patients to our office. Six of them rolled in at once. Do you have a library of sermons, messages, experiences online? We do. Good. A whole lot of them. So they can connect with you. Absolutely, yeah. Is there anything else going on on your site that would excite someone? Do you have anything else that uh, are resources that would help people? Well, I mean, our, our videos are awesome. My The book, the Jesus book, to me, it's like our staple message. It's 16 chapters on the character of Jesus. It's gone around the world. People have been healed and filled with the Spirit and saved reading it. Uh, I, I just heard the funniest story. A, a 14-year-old boy stole his dad's Jesus book that the dad had just ordered. He couldn't find it. He asked his son if he had seen it, and the boy started reading on the love of Jesus, and he hid it from his dad, and the dad said, I need my Jesus book back. He said, Dad, I obey you on everything. I'm not giving you the Jesus book back. I need it. So that touches our heart. That's gone we're just in awe of what the Holy Spirit's How long has about. your book been out? That's been out about um, four years. And now we're creating a discipleship curriculum on the person of Jesus, a video curriculum, a devotional comes out probably within a month. Do you have any new books throwing in your heart? I do. Good. I do. I do. And now you need time to write. <laughs> I do, but I feel like we have the framework, and uh, maybe it's the old golfer in me. We like to Get things done quickly. Yes. <laughs> quickly. So Yes, get to the first thing. Absolutely. What else is going on that uh, just before we wrap up our, our interview, sir, is there anything else that our listeners could hear about from you or those people that are watching us on Periscope? Tell us if there's anything else that uh, would really help us connect with you. 
Yeah, the best would be through Twitter. I, I jump on Twitter all the time, and and uh, whatever the Lord gives me in the morning, I spend my time with Jesus in the mornings. So, Give us your Twitter handle again. Yeah, at M K O U L I A N O S at M Kulianos, and that's probably the best way to to connect with us. Now, the question that every pastor is about to ask: You're up there, you're preaching, and you say in the Greek. Oh yeah, the, the word is so. We want to know your knowledge of Greek and uh, how you interpret the New Testament with your great uh, heritage. Yeah, it was my first language. It uh, was really it was yeah. I grew up in Tarpon Springs. Back then, you could walk to the bakery, go buy bread and feta, and wow. you know, and everyone. You actually had an IOU system in the in Greek town back then. If you were, I'd say I'm I'm Theo's son. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Just take it. He'll pay me later. That's how we grew up. And my dad. Uh, and my mom just raised me in our culture, so I grew up speaking. Then they sent me to Greek school, so I had to learn to read and write. So what an advantage! Yeah, it, at the time it was torture because yes. they were tough. I remember Greek the, is torture, <laughs> and the teachers were torturous. Yes, I, I remember their rulers, the way they'd spank us. Oh yes, but um, yeah, it's helped me in the scriptures in an amazing way. And so, do you read from an in- interlinear? Do you have a Greek? I actually have a Bible called the Apostolic Bible that is the form of the Septuagint, and. Uh, does it help you in your interpretation? It does. In fact, I have to say, uh, this isn't to be critical at all, but sure. when I hear some of the things today that are taught about maybe the nature of God, the way the scriptures have been dissected as of late, certain messages being... What kind heard. of errors? What kind of mistakes are you hearing? I think what has been a trend in the body, especially in my generation, mm-hmm. uh, young guys in their 30s and younger, there seems to be this vacating from the holiness of God from this side of Jesus that is divine, mm-hmm. that, is, uh, that is a consuming fire. I, in all my encounters with the Lord, I never left thinking He was like me. And That's powerful. I, I've never, no, and he, he is human, but He's the God-man. And what the Greek does so well is, uh, and the Hebrew, possibly even more in more depth and more poetically, it paints the fullness of God before us via the Scriptures. Some of the air is a mercy message that's not rooted in the full breath of God. And it's because uh, one verse could be taken that is uh, even that verse is not correctly read, forget about being interpreted, but the full breath of who Jesus is is at stake right now in our generation. And we, we, we have to... I believe that that the holiness of Jesus is about to be revealed again. He's holy. He's he is not blind. He wants a church that loves him, and love is proven through yielding to the Spirit, which births obedience, and um, that has to come back. And so, no, having a grip on the Scriptures helps birth that. Amen. What a great word! And Michael Kulianos has been our guest on Charisma Connection, sir. What a powerful ministry and a powerful word you've given all of us to uh, be held accountable to. You know, when you hear it, you're, you're, you got to stand up to it, right? So uh, it's been a great day. I hope that you would agree to come back and visit with us again. Because, I would be uh, honored. That this would be good to have you on. For those of you who are listening, I would like to tell you that we're going to do a Green Lines now. We're going to do an interview with Michael about leadership. And if you're in leadership or you know people who are, you may want to turn over to our Green Lines podcast where you find Michael's name as we go to that interview. This has been the Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network with a great time that we've spent just now with Michael Kulianos. God bless you, sir. And for all of you listeners, thank you and God bless you.
This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.